You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to subscribe to Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And ladies and gentlemen, when you go to Locked On Texans and you pull up our podcast, please leave a five-star review for us. It helps us out. And also, we, we, we love feedback. Good or bad, happy or sad, we love feedback. So please let us know how much you like, love, and unfortunately dislike the show. And we're going to work on those things and make sure we continue to provide you guys the top-notch news on the Houston Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman here for a, another episode. Can't wait to discuss and get feedback on what we got out of Tim Kelly's press conference. Now, last week we discussed Anthony Weavers, right? And, you know, Cody, one of the things that I really liked about Anthony Weavers, our press conference was, it set an expectation that we will hear from Tim Kelly soon. You know, I talked about that. And that's what happened on yesterday. We're going to break that down and discuss a little bit, you know, whether or not we got enough from Tim Kelly pressure to kind of have some our own expectation, excitement, anything we're looking forward to, or, you know, just how did it go? And I have my own opinions on it. I can't wait to discuss it. Hopefully you guys have had a great day. You know, it's always important to us that not only do you give us feedback, that we just know you guys are having a great day. Did you guys catch my 41 that I posted on Twitter? Cody, I read my 40. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that foolishness. <laughs> foolishness? I read a 5-2. <laughs> I mean, I hey, 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 you you look good. I must admit, you look good. You know, I dropped some pounds. I've been working out. Uh, and by the way, I wanna I wanna give a shout out really quick to uh, Protect Your Back Chiropractor. I went out there the other day, and I've been in a lot of pain. I'm in a lot of pain. My back, my neck have been hurting, and it had been hindering me from really working out, like going as hard as I could because I would get these back pains. I went over there. I saw Dr. K located off Kirby. And I mean, for $13, I got this off Groupon for $13. He popped, locked, and cracked some things in my body that hadn't been popped, locked, and dropped it in so long. And it gave me that extra energy. I mean, immediately I felt so relieved that I was like, you know what? I'm going to run sprints today. And I said, you know what? Mm, I'm going to run my 40. So I Googled it. 48 steps equates to 48, 40-yard 40 dash. I just took 50 steps to be on the safe side. And I ran it, and I ran a 5-2 just to have fun out there. And I enjoyed it, man. But I want to give a shout-out to Dr. K over at Protect Your Back Chiropractic because, I mean, he really had me feeling energized and ready to go, Cody. Yes, sir. Speaking of ready to go, the NFL released its preseason schedule on yesterday. And, you know, I hate the Texans preseason because every single year we conclude our preseason with a matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. And 
I don't know about you guys, but I, I am just so irritated knowing that the Texans and Cowboys every only play against each other when it really matters every four years. And two, they are not in the same division. I, I never understand that. I want to see the Dallas Cowboys every single year. We are in the same state. Why are we in a whole different conference? It never made sense to me. I, I Listen, we're going we're gonna to talk about the preseason, but I, I, and I know I'm not the only fan that feel like this. Hell, we got to play against the Mavericks and the Spurs four times a year throughout the NBA. Ain't no telling how many times we got to play against the Rangers in the MLB, but yet the Cowboys be running from that work from in, in Houston. Oh, you're going you're gonna to kick up a lot of dust. Well, I mean, you know, the Cowboys have been around for a very long time in Houston. Just the Texans, at least. You know, the Oilers was back in the day, but when the Texans came back, then that changed the entire landscape as that, you know, uh, the, the new team, the new kid on the block. They did release a, the preseason schedule today, uh, yesterday rather, and it kicks off with the Vikings, Seahawks, Saints, and like you said, we ended at the Cowboys here at home September 3rd. Cody, I have a quick question to talk about and, and kind of discuss. Will these games eventually get canceled due to COVID-19? Will the preseason shorten? That's an idea the NFL was already flirting with, with the CBA shortening it down to three preseason games. But I think with everything going on, not being able to get OTAs in right now, getting these rookies, rookies acclimated, getting these second-year players acclimated to what you want to do and that you know you have a new OC, uh, full-time play caller here in Houston, a new DC. So they've been doing a very good job cooperating and working with the team and players and the whole nines via Zoom. And, uh, you know, the OC and DC here in Houston, I mentioned that how great it's been because players have been able to focus on more so the X and O's rather than getting out on the grass. But those four preseason games, I think there's a possibility that, you know, at least two of those games will get canceled. Uh, for me personally, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm about to just bang on wood right now, but you know, this coronavirus numbers as of right now, it seems like every is like stable. Of course, it's still out there, and it's but it's not, it's not skyrocket like it once was, especially in the month of March when everything went on lockdown. Me personally, I know the NFL set up their calendar already, but I kind of feel like they're going to push the. 2020 calendar back an extra two to three weeks just to give players and teams enough time to go through their OTAs and training camps because of course the Texans are not the only team that's in this position so um, I kind of have a feeling that's what's going to happen I'm not going to be surprised if they go the route of canceling two preseason games but at the same time that will all depends on if and when fans can be in the stadium because, hell, four preseason games mean four extra games you can get money off of revenue. That's why I say they might be in a situation where they have to push the 2020 calendar back, let's say, three weeks at most. Because, uh, like I said, all based off of money and revenue. And, um, like I say, four preseason games, yes, I know they're talking about shortening the calendar, but at the end of the day, let's say if you can't have fans in the stands for the first four to six weeks of the season, then those four preseason games are going to come more valuable because that's revenue you're getting from from the networks that, of course, broadcast these games, which probably going to shoot up the roof because people are dying for sports. So me personally, I don't see preseason getting shorter. Like I say, most likely the calendar might get pushed back 
two to three weeks. Yeah, and, you know, right now the NFL, you know, they're in the works of making plans to proceed with their season without the possibility of playing in stadiums without any fans and crowds. And, you know, that will potentially really, really damage the Houston Texans because of the money they would bring in and substantially affect, uh, well, the, the, the amount of money they would bring in would be substantially affected. And that could affect the 2021 salary cap. Uh, the Houston Texans would lose over 40% of their total revenue if the NFL chooses to play the 2020 season without fans in the stands due to COVID-19. And that would, you know, result in them losing 43.9% of total revenue, which in the end turns out to be $218 million in stadium revenue. So when we look at the preseason and the entire season in itself, if some of those games get canceled due to the COVID-19, due to everything that's going on, and right now we are seeing the, the Texas and California governor governors rather have opened up their states for sporting events, and I think that's a total, you know, I, I think I think right now that should be the, the least of our worries, concerns rather, but uh, they will lose a lot of money. So whether or not they have the preseason and whether or not they have fans in the stands for the actual season, you know, all of this will be affected money-wise. And you know what sucks? The big thing about it is next season, Deshaun Watson is up for his big contract. If they lose out on $218 million, that's going to really, really hurt their pockets to keep their franchise quarterback. Um, I don't think so because if the Texans' pockets are hurt, then all the other NFL teams' pockets are hurt. Because, I mean, John, think of it. This is not just happening to the Texans nor the NFL. This is across of every single sport team professional league. I mean, hell, I'm part-time with the Houston Sabercats, and I've seen this have an effect on us uh, as an MLR team. So, like, I don't really think if the Texans, which, I mean, at the end, I believe that every player, every team, no matter the league, is going to lose some money due to this COVID-19 but at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to play a factor into Deshaun Watson leaving Houston because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you might not have getting that big bag, but the Texans might still be in the best position to set him up with a bag because regardless if he looks at other options, let's say if he look at, I don't know, Arizona, I'm just throwing a name out there, but let's just say if he looks at Arizona, the Cardinals are going to be in the same situation, a team that has lost money. I don't want to take it that far by saying, you know, they're not going to be able to rank, retain their franchise quarterback because the ripple effects that this virus might may possibly have, not only this year, but possibly in the next 10 years, it's not just going to be the Texans or just in Houston. It's going to be felt all over. Yeah, and right now the Texans, if all of this takes place and they play this season without any fans in the stands, you know – the fans, as much as we hate to say it sometimes, the momentum, the electricity, the man, the fans really do mean a lot to every pro sport and, and really in football, uh, especially in football, rather. But right now, the Texans would rank fourth in the NFL in lost revenue, only trailing the Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots, and the New York Giants. So, uh, hopefully this gets worked out. They don't want to miss $218 million. I don't want them to miss that money. And more importantly, I want to be able to go see Lamar Jackson week two here in Houston. 
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty, not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get it a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Tim Kelly had his press conference, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it was kind of expected. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, but it did at the Anthony Weaver's press conference. And I, I still want to give kudos to Anthony Weaver because his press conference actually gave something. And, you know, quite honestly, listeners, I really didn't feel like I got much out of Tim Kelly. To me, Tim Kelly sounded a lot like Bill O'Brien. And for your first year as a full signal caller for Houston. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Bill O'Brien responses. I don't want to hear Bill O'Brien cadences. Now, again, mind you, some of these guys, sometimes they're not really camera guys. They're not really question guys. They do a very good job in their job. And I, I, I really get that. I do. You know, working in sports, sometimes you, you can maybe talk to a coach and he just doesn't really want to talk. He has to talk. Right, because that's a part of his job. He doesn't really want to do that. He'd rather go out there and coach. You, you, you see that with players as well. But there were some notes that I took from this press conference. But it, it wasn't encouraging. It was actually discouraging to hear him sound a lot like Bill O'Brien. You know, and one of the things that he mentioned that, you know, I think was a direct kind of quote almost. He was very encouraged about the multiple weapons Texans have now. Uh, and it's, it's not good for me to hear that's the same thing Bill O'Brien said. I mean, he didn't really expand on it too much. He did a little bit because of the guys that they brought in. You know, one of the direct quotes was, we have a guy, we have guys who have won consistently for a long time, scattered throughout that room. Those guys have produced with a great mindset who are coming in with a chip on their shoulder, which is true. You know, we mentioned Brandon Cooks and, you know, him being traded three or four times in his career. Randall Cobb coming in. After a very good year in Dallas, didn't get re-signed. Uh, then plus he mentioned the guys that were returning for another year. One thing I did like and I took out of took out of this conversation, well, conference rather, was putting in listeners at home when the Texans coaches like somebody, they make sure that they name them. And when they don't particularly like somebody, or if they know they're not going to be around, they don't name them. I.e. Tasha and Gibson. Uh, you know, when when Bill O'Brien mentioned in secondary, he did not mention Gibson's name. And then what happened? He was released. And uh, that has happened a couple times here in Houston. I just wanted to use him because he's the most recent. But he mentioned Kenny Stills. And for me, the speculation that Kenny Stills may be traded seemed to be put to rest, at least for the time being, because they have a tendency to name the guys they want to keep around. And since he was named, I assume that he's going to be around at least until they figure 
out if they want to move him or not. I'm not going to say I was discouraged by Tim Kelly's press conference. You know, every time we go into these press conference we're in, we have the opportunity to sit in on it like we did with the Anthony Weaver one. I I try to go in with a mindset, okay, I'm expecting them to say X, Y, and Z, but a good press conference that leaves me full of hope is when they go beyond that. For example, with Anthony Weaver's press conference, I knew he was going to talk about how he wanted the Texans' air rush to be better than it was in 2019. That was a given. But when he started naming guys like Whitney Merciless and even the rookie Jonathan Gennard and Ross Blacklock, when he started naming these guys and talking about what they can actually bring and how he's planning to use that in order to make sure that that edge rush is starting, it's going to be better in 2020, that's when I'm more promising, like, okay, we got something cooking. I never got that feel coming from Kelly and you know, John, you mentioned it. You know, he talked about the multiple weapons that the Texans have on offense. Now, to his credit, he did talk about how he planned to use the versatility of the backfield between the Johnson brothers. And, you know, that's something that yeah, I, I really did like that. Exactly. You know, that's something. And, and you re- remember, John, on Monday, I actually talked about that because that's what I was most excited to see of what those two guys can bring. Because you're talking about two halfbacks who can use them as an extra receiver, hell, even as a decor to a certain extent. But outside of the Johnson brothers, I really did not get a feel of Kelly actually. I'm not going to say knowing because I don't want to make it sound like he don't know what he's talking about, but I just didn't get that sense that I that I got from Anthony Weaver when he started talking about how many weapons that the Texans have with their receiving core. He really didn't go into depth on how he planned to use those. Now, of course, I don't expect him to give us the entire game plan for the entire season, but he he didn't really go go in depth of it. Was was leaves me wondering. <laughs> to something that you've been saying ever since this guy got hired, how much is Kelly's influence are we going to see with the Texans offense versus Bill O'Brien? Because to me, I left with the impression, okay, he just might be a name. He just might be a decor. He just might be a person when Bill O'Brien's still going to be the one calling the shots on the sideline every Sunday. Holding your listeners at home, that's not encouraging at all because you know, everybody, when we talk about football, we mentioned it in the first segment that the fans matter. And quite frankly, you know, that's the truth. Nobody really has confidence in Bill O'Brien right now, outside of the speculation and the what I would call, you know, optimism that we have. You know, he he traded DeAndre Hopkins, traded Janavian Clowney. That one worked out. Let's see what the other one does. He made sense when it comes to versatility and depth. Everything that he said, let's give him some time. But at times, fans are not really – they don't want to give time. But we're not fans. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to speculate all the time. Sometimes we want to take a step back and educate because we're the media. And we've done this with multiple organizations here in Houston. So we really have to dig deep and find out, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work, the possibilities and everything. But when we have a guy that's unknown right now, and, I mean, he's been here for a while. We never knew the distinct difference between the two calling plays. And the press conference really did not give me a difference moving forward. It sounded very Bill O'Brien-esque. 
it sounded like these were scripted Bill O'Brien type of responses. And that may, like I said earlier, that may be due to the fact that he's not a talker. He would rather just go do his job. And honestly, Cody, you know, outside of what I do in sports, that's how I am at work as an essential employee. I don't like talking. I want to do my job and go on about my day. And he even mentioned that anytime you're doing something for the first time, there's going to be a learning process. Being able to take those lessons and be able to improve is a good thing. And I think a part of the learning process is really establishing who he's going to be as a full-time signal caller here in Houston. He is going to come with a lot of pressure this year. Why? Well, a couple things. As we mentioned, and we're, we're tired of beating a dead horse because it is what it is. Nothing is going to go back and reverse it, but Hopkins is going. Deshaun Watson is primed for MVP season. You know, what are you going to do to get this offense over the hump? Not be so predictable. Not have games where it's like, well, you just played phenomenal two weeks ago. Why are you only scoring 12 points right now? Not be so vanilla. These questions, these expectations are going to continue to come at Tim Kelly now that he's officially the full-time signal caller. And one thing I do not want is for him to be a scapegoat because, again, who's really calling the plays? And this press conference really, again, did not give me a distinct difference between O'Brien and Tim Kelly in the thought of the offense that could potentially be ran here in Houston. John, set your DVRs because I already got mine set tonight on ESPN. You know, you know, Thursday nights have been national college football night ever since this whole coronavirus stuff started. They've been going back playing some of the best games in, in college football history. Tonight, they're showing the 2017 national championship game between Alabama and Clemson. The game in which Deshaun Watson led the Tigers to a 35-31 victory over the Crimson Tides. John, I got my DVR set. What about you? You mean the game <laughs> where that man played with a concussion? With a concussion. And led the Clemson Tigers over Alabama, which should have yep. stamped his number one quarterback oh, off the board. But yet and still, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But that, you know I what? I'll say two years in a row, Alabama and Clemson gave us an exciting, exciting national championship game. In two years in a row, it could have went to either team. It just went from one team one year and the uh, Clemson Tigers the next. And I'll say this, man. Deshaun Watson, and my favorite Deshaun Watson game may be that game against Lamar Jackson that last year. When Clemson played Lamar Jackson in, in, in uh Louisville, oh my gosh, bro. They put on a show, a complete show. But Deshaun Watson and his ability to wield something out of nothing is, listen, I don't want, I don't want Deshaun Watson to be another what if. What if Andre Johnson had a quarterback? What if the Houston Texans brought in Peyton Manning? What if this would have, I don't want Deshaun Watson to be another what if for Houston. I want him to be what Houston needs. I want him to be, listen, in Carolina, first few years as a team in the NFL, they went to the Super Bowl. And I think Deshaun Watson has the ability to take this team to the Super Bowl. Now, the NFL back then compared to the NFL right now is totally two different NFLs. 
But in any case, you have to do everything you need to to put talent around your best mm-hmm. player. And I really hope that, A, the defense gets fixed and they are able to stop teams and rush the pass rusher and they're not so dependent on J.J. Watt. And, B, Deshaun Watson fixes uh, Deshaun Watson fixes everything he needs to fix on his end in order to be that MVP caliber quarterback, go out there, win one, and take this team to the promised land because the fans here in Houston really deserve it. I, I don't want him to be another one if. And that's a discussion that we were having yesterday. Going to bring it up again today, Cody. Your what if was what if the Houston Texans brought in Peyton Manning? I'm not going to stick with quarterback, even though I could. That's always a big what if here in Houston, and you know who I'm talking about, but my biggest what if, and I think this may be the, the biggest what if in franchise history. What if the Houston Texans never drafted a Mobile Koye at 10 and drafted Darrell Revis instead? Who was selected four picks later by the New York Jets. And we all know that for a stretch of time, Darrell Revis was, you know, he had his entire theme, Revis Island. And Amobi Okoye was a 19-year-old prospect out of Louisville, too young for the NFL, body hadn't fully developed, you know, and he was drafted at number 10 overall in the 2007 draft. And I remember watching it, and I was like, well, I'm only, I'm four years away from being 19, and I, and I, I don't think nobody should play in the NFL that young and that early, and he never panned out. I think he's the worst draft pick in Texan history simply because he just never panned out for the Houston Texans. If you look at his stats over the course of time for the Houston Texans, selected at number 10 overall, I mean, his first year, he had a decent year, five and a half sacks. After that, he never really amounted to getting back to that one sack, one and a half, and three sacks his last year in Houston. And not that he wasn't a good player, but at number 10 overall, when you had Patrick Willis selected the very next pick, Marshawn Lynch selected right after that, and Darrell Revis at number 14, it just seems like at the time when you needed a cornerback, you needed to boost your defense, or you needed to get you a solid offensive weapon to put around Andre Johnson. You were still searching for running backs at the time. You know, you could have went with Marshawn Lynch, but overall, Darrell Revis and Patrick Willis are two of the best players at their positions of all time. You know, when you look at cornerback and you look at linebacker, Patrick Willis made the all-decade team for the 2010s and, and didn't play the last four or five seasons. And we know how great Darrell Reeves is. It just, it really didn't work out for Houston in that draft. And I, what if they would have just made the right draft choice defensively? Whether you would, whether you would have went with Patrick Willis or Darrell Reeves? I mean, I get it, but I don't think neither one of those guys would improve the problem that the Texans had during that time, which was trying to find a solid quarterback. Because from when, when, when was this draft? 2007. 2007. Yeah. I, listen, before this franchise got Deshaun Watson, a reliable quarterback was always the number one concern. So it's a fun what if, but I'm not too sure if neither one of those guys, and you're talking about two defensive players who I'm not going to say are the best of all time, but most definitely of their generation. 
I don't think they would put the Texans over the edge because. Well, when we look at that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, and I, I was just gonna say because they have always had a pretty good defensive team, but neither one of those guys was going to help that team become a a Super Bowl contending team without a reliable quarterback. Well, I'll say this. In 2007, Matt Shaw was finally in Houston, and he had a very subpar year, but that was also due to the fact that the Texans and their offense was very vanilla. But defensively, I wouldn't necessarily be too mad at picking, uh, not picking Patrick Willis because you still had DeMarco Ryans. I mean, sorry, D'Amico Ryans, who was a phenomenal linebacker. Uh, but when we look at the defense, Mario Williams had 14 sacks that year. D'Amico Ryans was, I mean, like I said, he was a pro bowler. Cornerback, Dante Robinson on the left side. On the right side was Demarcus Fagans. I guarantee you that 8-18 Houston Texans would have benefited tremendously from Darrell Reeves being on that roster. And not only for that year, moving forward for the rest of his time in the NFL. Listen, Darrell Reeves for a long time, was in New York, gave him a good contract. You match Darrell Reeves with that defense, his playmaking ability, it would have been so difficult to throw on the Texans because, A, you have Mario Williams, who, when he was in Houston, he had a phenomenal career. And people, people, please not forget that. Darrell Reeves, Demico Ryans, you mix that in, the, in in a bunch with just really stopping teams defensively, it's no telling what that team would have been able to do. We've seen defenses lead their teams to Super Bowls before. Who's to say that without adding Darrell Reeves in that mix, it wouldn't have happened for Houston? I mean, you're right, but you're talking about a team in 2008. Let's say if they would have drafted one of those guys. And the scenario that you just laid, laid out happened. I don't think that's enough to get to the Texans to – the Super Bowl, let alone a conference championship game, because you were talking about uh, an error smack day in the middle of the dominance between the Peyton Manning, Indianapolis Colts, and the Tom Brady, New England Patriots, who ran the AFC for at least 10 years. That's why I say neither one of those guys would, okay, if they would have went eight and eight, let's say they, they give the Texans two more wins. Now, now you're looking at 10 and six. Neither one of those guys is enough to push the Texans over one of those teams, let alone both. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, defensively, adding the Real Reavers to that team that allowed uh, over 30 points several times that next year. You know, his rookie year was 2007. 2008 would have been a year that we, we would have seen the impact. You know, added, allowed 38 points against Pittsburgh. 30 points against Tennessee, 30 points against Jacksonville, 30 points against Indianapolis, 40 points to Baltimore Ravens, 30 points against the Colts, and, you know, other games where they were allowing close to 30 points. And that year, the two cornerbacks was Fred Bennett and Jacquees Reeves. I think adding Darrell Reeves to that defense would have been so, so, so good. And the fact that you add Darrell Reeves, who's a surefire Hall of Fame, over a Mobile Okoye, which fizzled out in the NFL after a few years. And a couple of years ago, I think he was trying to play for the uh, was it the Canadian League or something along those lines. I think he would have done wonders here in Houston. 
Well, I tell you what, the Texans still ended up a hell of a lot better than the Raiders who selected Jamarcus Russell with the first overall pick in 2007. Oh, my gosh. The guy that watched blank tapes and claimed he was watching blitz packages. I will never forget that story. And remember, Texans fans, with that being said, it can always be worse. Yes, it can. It can always be tomorrow where we will bring you another episode of Locked on Texans. But you guys know it's John, some sports guy. Hit me, follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Don't forget to take time out of your day. Go on your phone or your laptop if you're at home and being one of those essential employees that can work from home or if you're on the go, it does not matter. Go check out HoustonSportsPress.com. We revise everything. There's no more. You can argue that sports. However, there is HoustonSportsPress.com. Check it out. Subscribe. Don't forget to let us know how you like it. Comment on the stories. Comment on the articles. Comment on the podcast. You can find the Locked On Texas there and Cody's Rockets podcast as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y. D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until tomorrow, Houston. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.